God, we want to thank you so much for this space and time where we can stop and let go of the things that have weighed heavy on us this week, Lord, and be prepared to just be filled with you. Lord, I just want to pray over Damo this morning. Lord, I pray that as he opens his mouth, that he will recognize your voice and your words and that you will work through him to deliver a message, Lord, that just sits and rests on our hearts and changes us from this day forward. We love you, Lord, and we can't wait to see you. In your name, amen. I'm going to come down there. I don't like being up here. I'm already too tall. If you can't see me down here, then you're probably in the wrong spot. Everyone can hear me okay? I'm used to being heard without a microphone. I don't really like them, but just so it's easy for everyone else to use one. Um, wow, we're blessed to have great musicians and singers here, aren't we? That young lady that sang at the beginning, oh, she's magic. She's my favourite. Don't know why. She's just really good. A couple of young boys that were playing, I think their, their mum's here. She might think they're better. And then Tammy might think that Hannah's better. But no, no, Abigail's the best. So we are blessed here. I think everyone here knows me. If you don't, my name's Damien. I'm just one of the members here. I'm no one special. I'm just some bloke they asked to talk today. So if you don't like it, I'm really sorry. <laughs> Can't do much about that. Um, one of the things that we're wanting to do here at Refresh as a church is we're wanting to focus on uh, an attitude and an intentional focus on service. Um, last year, Sharon spoke about a concept called Servolution, where there was a, a church where their whole mission was to serve their local community and to go out there and, and do stuff for the local people. Um, and it's a concept that the, the church leadership here prayed about and strongly looked at and worked out, you know, what is it? What do we want to do? We want to do that. We want to be a church that actually gives back to our community, not just be internally focused, we want to be outwardly focused. So they prayed about it and they came up with a new position here at the church called Community Services Leader. And that's where I come in. That's me. I'm the poor sucker for this new position called Community Services. Now, we don't really know what it means yet. We don't really, haven't established what the role is going to be doing completely, but we're working on it. On, you know, looking at things we can do, looking at ways to encourage you guys to serve. How can I insist, assist you to serve? What can we do? Can we have a project? Can we do, what do you need to know? That's me. So I, can't, I don't have all the answers. I'll lie to you and tell you what I do, but I don't. All right. So yeah, we, as a church, we really want to start looking at how we can serve the people in our church, the people in our school community, and the people in our wider community we live in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, just want to ask this morning that you send your Holy Spirit to be here with all of us. And I especially pray that he'd come and be with me and that the words that I speak today are your words and not my words. That song we just sang, just, just want to put it out there. Lord, I'm still in your hands. That is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. Be with me this morning, Lord. Help me to be a vessel for you. In your name. Amen. All right. Okay. I love being involved in service. My whole life, I've done things where I serve people. A good friend of mine in the audience who's known me since I was just a young fella knows that when I was a young bloke, I got involved in every bit of service I could in West Australian Conference. I was good mates with the youth leader and his wife and they just got me doing stuff. And I loved it. I really love serving and it's something I've, I've always loved and I love it when young people serve. We have amazing young people in this church. We've got groups, uh, connect groups that come here on Tuesday nights for like the high school and slightly older kids. And I met with them, I don't know, a couple of months ago and said, how can we serve? What are we going to do? What can we do? 
I didn't really have to do much because the young people had all these ideas and all these things they wanted to do. Our young ladies connect group have already started serving. They've got a project they call Box of Love. And basically every week the young ladies come, they bring little things. I don't know what they are. I'm not a young lady, so I wouldn't have a clue. But they bring little things, stuff. I don't know, shampoos and I don't know, girly stuff. And they collect all this stuff up. And then when they find someone who just needs a little bit of love in their life, just needs a little bit of a pick-me-up, a little bit of something, they're down, they're out, they get together a box and they put all these things in this box and they give it to them and they tell them it's a box of love. And they pour love in these people's lives by doing this. It's really exciting. Um, the young men, we've got some really um, energetic young men in our group who have come up with a, an idea where they want to help the community, some people in our community who may be struggling financially or a little bit less fortunate than others, and they want to do a basic service on their car. Don't panic, we've got people supervising. But they want to do something for people in the community because we can't live in today's society without a car, can we? Who doesn't have a car here? No hands will just went up. Everyone's got a car. We need a car. But unfortunately, when you're tight with money, what's the first thing that goes by the wayside? The service on your car. You don't service your car, it breaks down. You've got no car. So the young boys are doing that. They're, they're working, building this project with some guidance from some of the men. Um, they've negotiated with Rick Camille to be able to use the youth shed. And I don't know if anyone's been involved in the youth shed here at camp. It's full of rubbish. So about three weeks ago, they got in there. They cleaned it all out with Rick. They organise it, they reshell things, and they've got this beautiful big space now where we can service cars. So now they're working on getting a vehicle hoist and all those sorts of other bits and pieces that they need to be able to do this project. So later this year, keep your eyes open, you'll see the young men serving our community by giving out free car services. Basic service, if, got a, if you need new suspension, don't come and see us. All right, it's really cool. Let me try and find my spot. Okay, so today what I want to do is I want to explore the ch you guys, the church, and I do notice a lot of our men aren't here today, they're off at, there's a men's retreat weekend, so not, not a lot of men here. Do you need me to speak on a higher pitch to make that a bit better for the you ladies, or is, okay, I'll try, try and go a little bit higher. Sorry, there's not enough testosterone in the room, my jokes aren't funny, you'll get used to me. Um, yes, yeah, so we want to talk about why as a church we feel the service is so important, what makes service important, and, and why as a church community have we decided to make it a focus. Okay. Why do you guys think service is important? Now, I am going to ask a couple of times throughout the sermon today, I'm going to ask for some feedback. So all you confident people in the audience, call out so the shy ones don't have to. So why do you guys think service is important to us as a church? Anyone? Sorry? Outward expression of love. If this was a game show, you would win the jackpot. <laughs> That's it. He's my man. It's an outward expression of love. But what love? What love are we talking about, Richie? Come on down. Christian brotherhood, or are we showing God's love? Who said that? You win a prize. I haven't got any, but you know, you win one. So that's the whole thing. Service is really important because we are showing our outward expression of God's love. It's really basic for me when I look at service. Christ's example. He came to this earth to show us God the Father. How did he do that? He showed that by expressing love. How did he express love? He served people. He found people who were hungry, who were tired, who were naked, who were dead. He did all these things. He just served the people. He showed God's love. He showed who God was by these acts of service. 
and that is why as a church we believe this is so important if we're just sitting here inwardly focusing on ourselves and only helping each other and only doing things for ourselves who are we showing god's love to we're only showing people that already know so we need to start intentionally focusing our service outward so we can share that love with others all right i don't plan on being here for a long time i love a nice short sermon but so we're going to but we are going to get into the bible a little bit so if you've got a bible you've got a smart device whatever you look up your bible on grab it out there is so much in here that we could look at but we're only going to look at a few otherwise we could be here for the entire day because the bible is so full of such great stuff but if you just want to turn to matthew the first book of the new testament with me and we're just going to hit a, a bunch of texts in matthew just just want to illustrate a little bit of how important this was to jesus that it was such a big part of his life so matthew 9 is the first one we're going to look at chapter 9 i need to get a bible with bigger print okay chapter 9 verse 36 and i'm just going to hit them real quick we're not going to dwell on it for too long 35 when he saw the crowds he felt sorry for them another version says he had compassion on them they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd how much can we say about our own world today that the people outside of our our realm how lost is everyone everyone's running around chasing their tails they've got no idea what's happening the media social media tells them one thing someone else tells another thing everyone's confused they're like sheep without a shepherd flick over a couple of pages towards the back we'll go to matthew 14 like i said we're going to hit these fast matthew 14 verse 14 so 14 14 13 don't mind me ah there we go 14 when jesus got out of the boat he saw the large crowd he felt sorry for them again another version says he felt compassion for them and he healed everyone who was sick jesus rocks up somewhere and he sees the issues he addresses the issues he serves the people over one or two pages matthew 15 32 Jesus called his disciples together and told them, I feel sorry, or I feel compassion for those people. They have been with me for three days and they haven't had anything to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry and they might faint on their way home. Story goes on. He fed them all. Thousands of them. He fed them. Flick over a little bit further. Matthew 20, 34. Jesus felt sorry for them. He touched their eyes. Straight away they could see and became his followers christ rocks up somewhere wherever he is and he sees the need he sees the need and he addresses the need doesn't say he rocked up he preached a sermon and then a couple of people came up afterwards and said that was a great sermon can you heal me he got there he saw the need he addressed it one more verse now i'm going to really make it hard i had to bookmark it so it was quicker for me to find flick over towards the back to james it's the one after hebrews right back towards the end of the bible there's not too many pages past it see in mine we're looking at james chapter 5 this is one of my favorite verses in the entire bible james 5 11. we're just going to read the last little tiny part of it and it says the lord did this because he is so merciful and kind our lord is full of compassion for us he just wants to serve us 
There are so many more verses like this throughout the entire New Testament in the Bible. We could be here all day just going through those. That was just Matthew, one little tiny part. God came, he sent his son here, not to just preach to us, but to show us his love, to show us what he is like. And what did Jesus do? He served people. He went out and he healed them. He fed them. He clothed them. He preached, but it was always after he had done those things that he met their basic needs. And as a church, that's what we're wanting to do. We're wanting to start going, how can we look outside ourselves and see the needs of the people around us? What can we do? One of the things that always blows my mind, and you always, you'll find when if I do talk, I tend to sidetrack slightly because the Bible's an amazing place and you read three lines, but the story's about this big, but the Bible only shows you that much. And one of the things that I don't get is our disciples, the disciples, they, had, they didn't get it. Here Jesus is trying to help people and serve people and they're like, no, he's the king of, you know, he's the king, wow. They had an agenda. They wanted him to rise up, overthrow the Romans and give the Jews back their freedom. Jesus had no agenda. He came here simply to show the people God's love and he did that by healing them. That's the only reason he was here. Jesus poured love into people and that's what brought them to him. They were drawn to that love and their compassion. All right. Now, I was talking earlier about what the young people are doing is, is, is for their project or service. And it's really good to have a plan and to, to look forward. But today I'm talking more about some of those little things that we can do on an everyday basis. Jesus didn't sit down and plan what he was going to do, he's like, okay, we're going to go over the other side of Galilee, I'm going to heal 25 people, three lepers, five blind, you know, have a list. He never planned how he was going to serve people, he just went and met them and met their needs where they were. A really cool expression that I heard recently while I've been sort of researching on how churches do service, to see if we can find a, a way that we can do it on a bigger scale. And there's a thing that it says, service isn't something you do, Service is something that you live. You don't do it, you live it. And I think that's the, the, the example Jesus is trying to give us with his life here. He didn't plan it. He didn't have to have lists or have grand ideas. In his life, in the way he lived, someone came across his path that needed something, he gave it to them. Someone came, came across his path that was sick, he healed them. He didn't make a big song and dance about it. It was just how he did it. He just did it. He just wanted to serve the people and to show them the Father, show them the love of the Father by serving them. He's our example of how we should be trying to do in our lives today. Something that we should be trying to do, and I know it's, it's easier to say, but are we giving ourselves the opportunity where we are living service? Have we got our eyes open to the people around us that we're actually able to live a life of service? Or are we closed off in our busy little worlds and our iPhones and walking around like this, like I see everyone doing all the time, walking into poles, because they're so caught up in their own little world that they're not open to seeing the people around them? Do we have an intentional focus on doing that for others? Jesus lived service. He lived service the entire time, even when it wasn't what he was doing at the time. There's a cool story. 
in the Bible, in Luke chapter 5. If you want to, I'm going to paraphrase this one, but if you want to have a look, it's Luke chapter 5, verse 17. And it's the story, I'll, I'll just paraphrase anyway. Jesus is teaching one day and he's in a little town somewhere and people have come from everywhere. They've come from Galilee, they've come from Judah, they've come from Jerusalem. There's Pharisees, there's teachers of the law. This place is packed. I don't know what it is. It's a, it's, the Bible doesn't really explain whether it's a house, it's an auditorium or a synagogue. It just says the place he was at. And so he's there and he's preaching or teaching, whatever way you want to look at it. And it says that the Lord had given Jesus power to heal the sick. But that's just sort of thrown in there in the verse. It doesn't really say that he's been healing people or anything. It says he's teaching. But the Lord has given him power to heal. Then it goes on the story that there's a bunch of blokes who have this mate. And the mate's paralyzed. So in those days, if you're paralyzed, you'd probably lay on the side of the road all day on a mat begging. And for whatever reason, these guys have heard about Jesus and they've got their mate. And they've gone to this place thinking, we've got to help our mate. We've got to get him healed. So they get there and the place is chockers. It's like, it's lined up out the door. You can't get in. This is standing room only. And they're like, what do we do? We've got to get him into Jesus. So they climb up on the roof. They tear off the tiles and they drop him down on a rope. Now, I don't know about you, if there's suddenly a hole created up here today and someone comes down, rappels down on a rope, I'm packing up and going home. You guys are not going to come back and listen to me after some guy's cut a big hole in the roof and come down. But here's Jesus doesn't bat an eyelid. He's sitting there, he's going along, he's talking, he's trying to, he's really working hard trying to help the Pharisees and teachers of the law see that they've got everything so out of whack that they've missed the point of love. Dust starts falling from the ceiling, suddenly a bright light comes shining down, because it would have been a dark room without these spotties, you tear the hole in the roof, boom, it's like a spotlight on Jesus. He just stops, looks up, watches the guy coming down. What would you guys be doing? Now seriously, hole opens up right now, Blake starts coming down, I'm going to heal him. What are you thinking? Come on. Why, hey, Nathan, <laughs> it's here. It's, you, know, you know, and what about the guy who owns the building? He's sitting there going, oh, geez, I always wanted a skylight, but probably wanted it over there more. You know, it's, this, is, this is an out-of-control situation. It's not something that's just going to happen on a daily basis. Jesus just stands there, watches the guy comes down. He gets down, Jesus can see, see a need. Sees a need, says, "Son, your sins are forgiven." Instantly, he's healed. There's a whole other part of that story about the argument with the Pharisees and about who can forgive sins, but that's not the relevant part of today. The thing is, Jesus, busy, sees the need, heals the guy. Don't mind me; I'll find my place again. Okay. All right, my favourite topic of conversation, my wife says, is myself. So I'll tell you a story about me. Um, most of you probably don't know, many years ago, I can't remember, it was a long time ago, I went to Avondale College and studied theology. For those of you who don't know, Avondale's the church's tertiary education facility here in Australia. Now, I felt God was calling me to become a pastor. I really felt that he wanted me to become a youth pastor. I'd been working, volunteered with youth for years, doing all sorts of projects and service and events and stuff. And I really felt that's where God wanted me to be. So I packed up everything. From, I was living in Perth and I moved to uh, Turrumbong and went to college. Now, I got halfway through theology. It's a four-year degree and I did two. I learned Greek and Hebrew and that stuff was horrible. Don't do that. Sarah, where are you? You're learning that stuff, aren't you? It's horrible, isn't it? Bad. Um, and I got halfway through and I came to a realisation 
I realized that the skills, the abilities, the, the talents God had given me weren't needed by the people inside the church. I realized that the skills, the abilities and the talents he had given me were more suited to working with people outside the church. I, I stopped and I, I looked directly at Jesus' example. He fed, he healed, he clothed, he served people. And I realized at that point that there was all I was doing was studying to, to be able to get up the front and do this. Um, and look, there are plenty of other people out there who are much better at doing this than me. I've been working, studying really hard to be able to get up there on the weekend and say to people, come follow him. When I realized that, you know, these other people are much better suited to that than me. It wasn't my thing. I was, I didn't quite fit the mold. I was probably going to cause myself grief. So I decided that those gifts were better suited to feeding and clothing and healing and helping people address some of their most basic needs in their life so that they were then able and ready to hear the message of God, able and ready to hear someone else preach to them, come follow me. I wasn't living my life the way Jesus had. I was just working and studying, working and studying, working and studying so that I could get this piece of paper that said, you're now a pastor so I can sit in a church and have every week and say, here I am, come see me, come to me and I'll tell you all about him. What I needed to be doing with my skills and abilities was going out there. But don't get me wrong, I'm not bagging pastors and ministers. We have a great team here, Sharon and Timo and, and Neil and, and the rest of the team doing an awesome job. They're the guys that are pushing us to do service. They're the guys that said we need someone in charge of getting service happening here. Their skills are their way. Me personally, I had the skills that I can talk to a druggie half dead on the street. I can walk into a house that's disgusting, I won't tell you why, but it's disgusting, and be okay with that and talk to the guy while he chain smokes 30 cigarettes and has four coffees. doesn't worry me. I'm comfortable, and I get them and they get me. So my skills were out there in the world. So that's what I did. I left college and I spent the next 15 years working as a social worker, trying to help people address those basic human needs. Because if you don't address people's basic human needs, you don't help them be fed, clothed and healed, these brain is shut off to hearing, come follow me. And I hope and pray that like, throughout that time, I had many opportunities where I helped people. And after I'd helped them, they said, why do you do this? And I had all these opportunities to share why I did it with them. God gave me opportunities through my service to then share a message. But if I hadn't been serving, these people would not be knocking on our door to say, hey, tell me a message. When you, we look crack back quickly at that Matthew 20, 34, it says, Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes, immediately they received their sight. And the next two words were, then they, three words, then they followed him. He healed them, he served them, then they followed him. That's, I think, where some of the things that we miss today is that we, we know everyone wants God's love. We, we've got it. We've, we're pumped. We've got it. We know people need it, but we're waiting for them to come to us and ask us to tell them about it. And even we talk about going out and telling people about it. Sometimes we just can't tell people. We've got to show them, and you can show them that through service. And that's why I believe service is so important. 
There are so many people who are not ready to hear a message. There are so many people who have been hurt by churches and religions around the world. There are so many people who are just struggling with day-to-day life in this crazy world we live in that it doesn't matter how many times you tell them about God's love, they're not going to hear it because they've got these basic needs that aren't being met. When you're in class, younger people and people, the older people have been to remember school, when you're in class and there's that period before lunchtime, your stomach's starting to rumble. Do you remember a single solitary thing you got taught? I can't. I don't remember much of school anyway. But that part before lunch when you're hungry, you don't remember squat because your basic needs haven't been met. So we need to be the same. We need to serve people and get to their basic needs. I can guarantee you the moment that that man was healed from his, his mat, he was ready to hear anything and everything Jesus said to him because he'd had that need met. All right, lighten the mood slightly. Who's heard of Stormco? What, three or four of you? Come on, seriously. Most of you heard of Stormco, haven't you? Okay, young person. Who's a young person? Brooke. What does Stormco stand for? It has, it's an acronym. Wrong person. Let me pick somebody else. Who knows? Sorry? That's right. Service to others really matters. Stormco isn't an acronym. Service to others really matters company. I don't know what the company part's about, but that's what it means. It does really matter. Service to others really matters. Stormco is a program, for those of you who don't know, that was set up by the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in Australia as an avenue for our young people who have so much more energy than us old farts, who have all this energy to go out and serve in a community somewhere, anywhere. They don't wait to be asked. They don't wait for an invitation. They just get together. Right, we're going to go, map, pin, there. Right, we're going there. And they go to that community and they serve the community. No agenda. It's not based around an evangelistic program or a sermon. They just rock up and start doing stuff. It blows people's minds away. People in these communities are like, what the, what the shit? What, hey? And they ask questions. They're getting needs met, and so they ask a question. It opens the door for them being willing to hear the message. It's not a trick. It's how God showed us how to do it. He showed us the example. Serve others. They will then hear what you have to say. It's one of the things I I just really love about Stormco is that our young people actually, they're more open to doing this than us adults. We get closed off. Young people just love doing stuff for people. I think maybe we get so caught up in our lives that we've forgotten how exciting and how rewarding it is to actually serve. So just as a concept, Stormco is kind of what we want to be as a church want to be one big storm code where we're doing stuff all the time for other people so they're then open to hearing what we have to say. Okay. All right. Now to the part where I'm going to start challenging you. A lot of the time when I talk to people about service, I hear a lot of the same, same responses. I don't have time. I have nothing to offer. I don't know what to do. I've got nothing to give. I'm not good at any of these. <laughs> it's not me. Now, guys, as a church and as individuals, we don't have to be worried and scared. Service doesn't have to be difficult. We don't have to always be planning big projects. On an individual level, service is actually very easy. 
our young ladies, all they're doing is bringing on a little something every week to connect group. They just chuck it in a box and then they just give some to somebody. That's it. It's not hard. There's no real scary thing. And I, you know, talking to Sarah the other day, they gave something to a, a, to a lady. The lady was just blown away. It just, it absolutely, her heart melted. Someone poured a little bit of love into her through just a box of stuff. It didn't, didn't cost a lot of money. It didn't take hours and weeks and months. Just a little push, a little gesture. Service can be as simple as giving out bottles of cold water on a hot day. It can be as simple as paying for the coffee in the, for the person behind you if you drink coffee or hot chocolate, whatever. It could be as simple as bringing your neighbor's bins in on a weekly basis. It could be as simple as mowing the elderly neighbor's nature strip who lives next door to you. That's what I do every week. When I mow my lawn, I go up and mow his nature strip because he's an older guy and, and he's got a ride on. He's trying to come right in my backyard, but he's, he's too busy. But, you know, he, he struggles with the nature strip because it's too narrow for his ride. So I just push the mower up. He's never asked me. I've never said anything to him. He's never said anything to me. I just, oh, I'll just mow his nature strip. Takes me an extra five seconds, you know. Little things. doesn't have to be hard. You don't have to make a song and dance. Just something small in your everyday life as you're living your life. God presents these opportunities to you. So are we doing that? Are you guys... Are you putting yourself out there? Have you got your eyes open to see opportunities? Because again, we are very much doing this all day long. Sitting there at our iPads, our phones, our computers, TVs, shutting ourselves off to what's happening around us. We need to put ourselves in a position where we can be open and seeing it. And the whole bit about not being equipped or not having the skills, you don't need skills. How hard is it? Grab a bin, walk it up a driveway and go kaplonk. Done. God has already equipped you with everything you need to be able to serve. Really cool story in the Bible. Um, in John chapter 2. Again, I'm going to paraphrase it. John chapter 2, 1. Now, this is a, I'll give it, try and give a little bit of background and read between the lines a little bit for you. Um, Jesus and his mum, Mary, have been invited to a wedding. If you read between the lines, I'm going to, I'm assuming, again, reading between the lines, that this is a wedding of a relative of Mary. Okay? She seems to know too much about what's going on for it not to be so. So they're at this wedding. Um, you need to understand that Jesus hasn't started his ministry yet. He's only called a couple of disciples. He hasn't done any miracles. He hasn't preached anywhere. He's right at the very beginning. And weddings in those days would go for days weeks it wasn't a couple of hours sort of ceremony this was a mass party and it would go for ages and it was a height of cultural rudeness to run out of something okay so here we are the wedding's been going for days and at some point mary's become aware that they've run out of wine now in those days you get all the really good wine and you, the expensive stuff now come out in the first day then the wine would progressively get worse as the days went on when everyone was a little bit tipsy and didn't notice that the, the wine was getting bad. So you get the really cheap stuff towards the end and they've run out, which is really bad. So again, you really need to understand something before we go any further. Jesus hadn't started his ministry yet. So as far as everyone at this wedding was concerned, Jesus was simply Mary's unemployed carpenter's son. That's all he was. He'd quit his job as a carpenter and he started calling disciples. John the Baptist had already said, done, baptized him. So he, to everyone at the wedding concerned, he was an unemployed carpenter, Mary's son. Nobody. 
So anyway, Mary comes up to Jesus. Sorry, this part's a good part. I'm going to make sure I get it right. So Jesus, Mary comes up to Jesus and says to him, Jesus, there's no more wine. His response blows my mind. He goes, woman, that's not my problem. <laughs> now, my mum, if I talk to her like that, that now, I'd still be duck in the backhand. I would cop it. You don't talk to your mum like, woman, not my problem. But here's Jesus, blunt hat, straight back at her. Not my problem. Now, kids, you, talking to you, any other young people here, don't condone you talking to your mothers like that, okay? Not, not on, because you probably ca- capture backhand from dad and mum. So, but that's what Jesus did. He's really blunt. And he says that to her. Now, Mary, like most really good mums, she's not taking any of Jesus' rubbish. She simply turns, says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Doesn't even listen to him. Just says, do whatever he tells you. So I can imagine Jesus just going, defeated. Like all good sons, he knows there's no point defying the mother. You've got to do as you're told. So he turns, he looks, and there's these six big, massive water jugs over here on the side. Now, when I say massive, I mean massive. These water jugs are something like 80 to 100 litres in capacity. So, you know, we're talking big jugs. Now, these aren't for wine. These are for ceremonial washing. The Jews had all these customs and all these rituals where you had to, to wash before you did this and wash before you did that. So these were there for that. They're massive, big things. And Jesus turns to the servants and he goes, yeah, go fill those with water for us. And they're like, yeah, right, dude. Don't think so. Yeah, no, no, go fill those with water. Uh, Jesus, we need wine, not water. Go build a house for us somewhere, mate. You know, you know what you're talking about. And Jesus is like, mate, just go fill the jug. Eventually, okay, they go. They cart these massive jugs to the well. I don't know how far away it is. doesn't say. Bring these massive big jugs back. Now, who's just carried 80 to 100 litres of water? My understanding is that's like 80 to 100 kilos. So you've got plus the pot. Yeah, exactly. So you're looking at a heavy pot. Six of them. That many. So they've done that. And I reckon I'd be tired. So I reckon they're tired. And they've come back to Jesus. And he's going, right, cool. Someone take a picture to the master of ceremonies. I don't think so. I quite like my job as a servant. I at least get paid something. Just take him. Come on, just take him a picture. I don't think so, Jesus. It's just water. He wants wine. Eventually, one of them must have caved. Filled a pitcher of wine and take it to the master of ceremonies. Reluctantly grabbed the master of ceremonies cup, poured out the pitcher, give him the cup. Story goes that the master of ceremonies has drunk the water and everyone must all the servants who knew what was going on must have been watching and going and he goes wow wow that's the best wine i've ever tasted miracle church i want to ask you a question this is a non this is a rhetorical question one i want you to think about and mull over when did the miracle occur when did that water become wine? Think about that for a minute. At what point has the miracle occurred? I'm going to tell you the answer because I don't want to keep you hanging all day. The miracle occurred the moment the 
servant poured the water into the cup. The moment the servant poured the water from that pitcher into that cup was the moment the miracle occurred. Today, each and every one of us is walking around with our own pitcher of water that God has given us. All our talents, our skills, our abilities, the personality that we have is all in our pitcher that Christ has given us. We all have one. And we're walking around with our pitcher full of all these things that God's given us going, everyone wants wine. Everyone wants wine. I've only got water. Everyone wants wine. I've only got water. Guys, our own insecurities are stopping us pouring out the water that He gave us. Our own insecurities and our own beliefs that we have nothing to offer are stopping us letting God perform a miracle when we just pour it out. All we have to do is just pour it out. And when we pour it out, He creates the miracle. He turns our water into whatever it is the people around us need. But we don't let Him do it because we're all going, everyone just wants wine. No one wants my water. Church, as we leave here today, as you carry your pitcher of water with you as you go out throughout this week, pour it out into people. Pour the love God's given you into someone else. Find something you can do where you can just pour out your water, some little thing you can do to serve someone. I don't care what it is. Just find something that you can do personally where you can bring someone's bins in, pay for a coffee. It's not the old lady who dropped the groceries at the shopping centre. Just some little thing that you can do to share the love God's given us with those around us. Let's pray. Lord, just want to thank you for um, using me today as a vessel for you. And I pray that uh, everyone got the message today about how serving you is a display of the love you've given us that we want to share with those around us. Help us to find the courage to trust that you are going to perform the miracle when we pour out the water you've given us. Lord, we thank you so much. We ask you to be with us for the rest of this week. In your wonderful and precious name.